Welcome back to Night Owl Nerds, the podcast turned Twitch stream. Hi, everybody. Uh, as a note, one of our, I guess we could call it an announcement. We are still in the active works of making merch, currently designing things such as hats of various forms, as currently modeled by John and Grave. And... Zeph, nice over the hat, oh, over the headset. Proud of you. Um, yeah, we are working on that. Uh, we've got some things in the work from Viking. Uh, some graphic design for shirts, hoodies, whatever. Getting on that bandwagon should be fun. Uh, does anybody have any other announcements for the night before we jump into our, uh, you know? I had a it, nice snap. We're doing that's that's an announcement. I'm so proud of you, Zephyr. Uh, I did too, but I feel bad for having it. It's okay, Viking. We forgave you. I haven't forgiven myself yet. We'll come together for a game night at one point. But anyway, that's another conversation for another day. This is a conversation for a different day. I suppose if everybody's settled and ready. Yep. That that that's one. How's everybody doing? I'm ready. Yep. I'm ready, sir. Please command me. Got a thumbs up from Zandy and Grave. We good? All right. Now we continue. I lost my button. There's my button. That's the wrong button. Look at me go. I'm a professional, I swear. Seems last like Last time... I... <clears throat> last time on Fate's Split. After thoroughly decimating a camp of bandits on their way to Sheraton, the party currently named Encouragement, continue their trip north to Sheraton through the woods. As they traveled, they found themselves upon a nice clearing within the forest, covered in a bed of moss, and decided to camp for the night. Resting very peacefully until moss was interrupted by a message from one of their previous members who had suddenly vanished about a month ago. After trying to communicate with him, he didn't hear a response to the remainder of that night, and it left him contemplative. The following morning, as the party regrouped, discovered a little bit more of Gurn magic, they continued their trek north, presuming about four days' travel before they could arrive back in Vice's hometown. However, during this travel, they were awash by a strange ripple through the air and the earth. And as the scenery around them changed to become sharper, clearer, and more colorful, they found themselves within a grove with large, giant deer grazing upon red foliage around a humongous tree 
in a small clearing. After initiating a battle and killing the elk, the forest seemed to come alive to defend itself, eventually awakening a treant standing over 50 feet tall. After some successful negotiations, combat ceased. Moss and the treant trying to discuss where they were. However, the treant had no idea where they had come from and didn't even recognize the, mo the maps in Moss's possession. However, during this conversation, Vice decided to cast a blink, casting him into the ethereal plane, looking down on this area as if through a bird's eye view. During this time, he heard the voice of his old mentor calling out to him, begging him to come back. And shortly thereafter, the party was wrenched from this strange alternate reality and placed back into the South Sheraton Forest. As they, as they looked around, Vice suddenly becoming very stressed out, his skin shifting back to a crystalline blue. He looks around and recognizes the section of forest that they are in, noting that they are only about half a day's travel out of Sheraton at this point. And that is where we are going to resume. So you all stand in this forest surrounded by tall deciduous trees in various shades of greens and oranges you look around the imagery around you is no longer as sharp the colors not as vibrant this is what you are familiar with and as you all in turn look around you find vice standing at the center of the group his skin a shining crystalline blue and a very concerned look on his face Vice, are you okay? Yeah. I, I don't know. Vice is gonna, like, slowly look up from the ground and very specifically avoiding eye contact with anyone else, look around him and in the forest, like, at the forest that surrounds them. Vice. Does anybody know what the fuck just happened? Um, like, I'm just as, like, confused as, like, you. So, does this mean we're not gonna harvest that deer? No. No heart for Gurn. Um, considering I am standing right next to Vice, I'm going to kind of touch his shoulder and kind of give him, like, a concerned look, like, and, um, <clears throat> ask him if he's okay. Vice, are you alright? Vice is immediately going to recoil away from your hand. I'm going to kind of move my hand away like it got burnt, basically. I didn't mean to offend you. No. So, something isn't right here. Uh, I could tell something's not right. I mean, we're 
back in the forest where we started, but where were we just now? I have no clue. Vice. But... A dense fog obscures your vision between the numerous thick tree trunks. You know these woods. You're close to home. You breathe deep, taking in the scents floating in the air. Moist earth, freshly baked bread, and even the hint of grapes bring back memories of your childhood. Running around the vineyards with your mother, lying on the rocks at the north of town after dark to watch the stars peek through the clouds. You know this section very well, as you used to venture out here when you were upset. And you know that you are only a handful of hours outside of town. Where is the sun in the sky? The sun at this moment is two hours above sunset. So mid-evening, gentle orange glow peeks through the foliage and the fog, but does not seem to penetrate the fog very well. Well, we're close, but we're not close enough to make it before nightfall. Should we set up camp? I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a little hungry. You're always hungry. How how long if we go in night? Maybe three, four hours. Like I said, we're close, but I mean based on where the where the sun is in the sky. We've only got a couple hours left of daylight. And night falls very quickly in these woods. As soon as the sun starts hitting the horizon, it's going to be too dark to traverse. Even though it's clear path. I'd prefer not to at least stay here, because... I don't want to get sucked back into wherever we just were. I agree. Perhaps maybe we should set up camp at least for a few hours, and then maybe press on when we're all ready to. Let's, uh... Let's keep heading for about an hour towards Sheraton. And then we'll set up camp. With the last hour or so of light we have. Kern will look for good spot. Yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, like, that sounds like good. Um, I'm gonna turn to Gern. Do you want some help, Gern? <clears throat> yeah, Sleen. Me and you. All, All right. right. Uh, cool. Gurn may roll at advantage. Unless Celine wants to roll one herself. 
No, Gurn can roll at advantage. Alright, survival at advantage. That is a 22 on advantage. Alright. Uh, it doesn't take you very long to find a section of the woods about 100 feet off the main path. Um, this area is not like the moss-covered grove you had stumbled upon the previous night. However, it's not bad. Between a, a couple of fairly large felled trees... You find a small area of, you know, fallen leaves, twigs, that kind of thing. And you feel like if you were to clear this out, the fallen logs will act as additional shelter or blockage from the road view. Um, amongst the dense foliage. I mean, the trees in this area are, if you're lucky, three or four feet apart. You know, three or four feet of space between each tree and the trunks are anywhere from one to three feet wide. So there's, there's a lot of coverage here. You find a nice area where you feel that you could set up at least one of the tents that you guys had found or taken from the bandit camp. What about here? Sleen! Um, I'm going to look around at the area that we found. <clears throat> Before I turn back to Gurn, I think this would be really good for us right now. So, we should probably go tell the others. <clears throat> Gurn's so going to start. The party. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Gurn's going to start making his way back with Selene. To the road. So, you all regroup. I assume you guys are going to follow Gurn and Celine to the potential campsite. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yep. So as you all walk through the forest, leaves, cr leaves and twigs crunching beneath your feet, the very distinct smell of wet, decaying foliage around you, uh, Celine. While you know that it is not the season of fall, this smells very much like a fall day right after a rainstorm. Just moisture permeates the air and everything around you. And it's it's actually kind of nice. You know, it's, it's, it's refreshing, it's comforting, and kind of reminds you of home during the cooler seasons. Um, that actually brings me to a question, DM. Do I know what season it's supposed to be right now? Midsummer. Okay. You actually would assume, based on recent temperatures and such, that you are only a couple weeks past the summer solstice. Double check real quick. Yeah, you... You would assume you're a couple to a few weeks past the, uh, past the summer solstice. Okay. So... As we show everyone where the campsite is, um, I'm going to kind of be looking around the trees. A little confused, but at the same time, like, feeling a little homesick as well. And that's all I'm going to do it for the moment. <clears throat> okay. Mind you, while the air here smells and 
it feels like fall, uh, like fall, like autumn with the humidity and the scents and everything around you and the color of the foliage just reminds you of fall. The ambient temperature in the air is very comfortable, very reminiscent of a forest in the summer. So you don't, you don't assume that you are suddenly in a different season. It's just with your attunement to forests, you assume that this is just the nature of this forest. Okay. I was just a little confused. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to wait till everyone catches up. <clears throat> and then I will turn to Shatten. Shatten, you mentioned you were hungry. Do yeah. Do you want to help me hunt? Sure. Alright. Um... So I'm going to wait until everyone is situated first. Uh, and then I'll kind of announce to everybody in the party. Um, me and Shatten are going to go see if we can't find something to eat. Okay. I'll uh, clear this okay. spot out and uh, get a fire ready. We shouldn't be gone too long. Uh, each of you um, roll survival or one of you at advantage. Uh, I believe you your survival. I think your survival will be higher than mine. Uh, yes. So I'll help. Okay. okay. Celine, survival at advantage. I got 26. Okay. 26 is excellent. However, you don't find any game. While the two of you are out hunting, Selene, your natural attunement to hunting in the forest and Shatten being able to jump up and down, you know, climbing trees and whatnot to get a better vantage point and trying to spot things, you don't see much. Nothing that would really be worth hunting. No large game, no small game, the occasional, like, you know, squirrel or small bird, that kind of thing. You do, however, find a good handful of edible mushrooms and another handful of edible berries. But just not a whole lot on this night as far as, like, you know, deer or boar or anything. Not even squirrels or anything? I mean, if you really want to eat a squirrel, you're welcome to. I figured any kind of meat would count. Okay. I, I mean, if you're if you're on board for squirrels and with that survival roll, I'll say you catch like four decent-sized squirrels. Okay. Squirrels mixed in with the mushrooms. You know, that's a good stew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Furry. Bony. <laughs> Very lean. I'm going to skin it first. I'm not going to uh, just throw it in. God. Not sure. Whatever. <laughs> You're the one that tried to boil berries. I know. <laughs> anyway. So with that, um, me and Shat and we'll both gather up what we have and then we'll start heading back to the campsite. Okay. Uh, this camp, this hunting trip would have taken you guys all about all of about an hour to pull That's this That's about up. what I thought it would be. Uh, and, and during that time, 
uh, Moss and Gurn would have uh, pretty well cleared out the campsite for you know easier bedding, set up the, the tent, and gotten a fire going. Uh, Vice, what have you been doing during this time? Absolutely nothing. Vice has been sitting against a tree, uh, just kind of staring at his knees. How many points are you at right now? One. Okay. All right. Um, so with that, me and Shatton will walk back into the campsite and kind of just make our way over to the fire. Um, I'm assuming Moss and Gurn, you guys are right next to the fire, or what are you guys, where are you guys? Uh, by the way, Shatton's face is covered in blues and reds stains along with her fingers. None of the berries that she was carrying made it back to camp. I had a kind of had a feeling. That's why I gave you so many. <laughs> Figured you could have a little snack. <laughs> I, f- I feel like Moss and Gurn would probably be finishing setting up the tent. Okay. So. Crystal is probably nearby. You know, moral support, just watching <laughs> them set it all up. Oh, yeah. You playing your violin again, or are you just humming? No, no, she, she's just watching right now. Hmm. Okay. So I will uh, sit near the fire and basically take one of my daggers and start like skinning the, the squirrels and cutting up the mushrooms and whatever berries I have left as well, trying to like prep everything okay. for dinner. So it doesn't take you long. This isn't the first time you've had to prepare squirrel, Celine. Um, you know, it takes takes a little bit of time to clean them, prep them, get the usable meat off of them, get them into the stew, and whatever else you guys are cooking. And the night continues on in... Your mealtime continues on in relative silence as the group of you kind of contemplate what just happened. You're walking along the forest. Suddenly the forest shifts. And just as suddenly it shifts right back. And from what you gather, during that shift, you traveled a hundred miles. Occasionally you all glance over at Vice, just kind of staring at his knees, sitting at the corner of the campsite. Is there anything you all would like to do during this time, or shall we, shall we move on to watches? Shatton is uh, going to bring some of the uh, berries and mushrooms that she has and brings them over to Vice. You want some more? You hungry? No, I'm... I'm alright. Okay. If more for me? She's gonna scoot on back to the fire. 
Um, who am I sitting closest to right now? Like, like, how is everyone, like, sitting around this fire? Like, who's sitting next to who, just so I know who I can talk to so I'm not yelling over people? Probably Shatten. Okay. Are we sitting in a circle, or, like, I'm just trying to figure out seating arrangements here a little bit. I know it's oh. meta, but, like... No, no, no. Like, sort of a circle, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a huge campsite, and there's a campfire, so we'd be around the campfire, most likely. Okay. Um, so, Celine's gonna kind of look at everybody. Um, so, does anyone have any theories to what exactly happened to make us go elsewhere i'm not i i can't wrap my my head around it i'm still trying to figure it out gern knows it magic yeah i know it's magic i just can't figure out what kind of magic like what i'm trying to figure out what triggered that to even have us go there that's why i figured maybe we can talk about it and try to figure it out I, I have absolutely no idea. Well, um, like, it was definitely, like, weird. Well, weird is one word for it, I guess. I was confused by how bright and colorful everything was. Should, uh, yeah. ask Kata and see if she has any idea. I was honestly debating and possibly reaching out to my watcher and seeing if she might have any answers for me. But I'm not sure. Couldn't hurt. I can at least ask and then tell you what she says. Maybe you can reach out to yours? See if uh, they have any answers either. Yeah, uh, hold on. Moss will look over at Kata and Kata's head. She's just going to hear. Do uh, you have any idea what happened? Like why we got transported somewhere else? I do not know. Would you like me to consult the crow? Uh, yes, if you wouldn't mind. Give me a bit. He has been busy as of late. And Kata, you all see Kata just kind of close her eyes and rest her head next to one of the logs and goes quiet for a little while. And as you all turn away from looking at Kata, you notice the vice has disappeared. Did I happen to see which way he went? No. Okay. He was there one moment and gone the next. Shatton's going to uh, just panic, look around, and see if she can try to track him or something. Um, I'm going to grab, gently grab Shatton's shoulder 
and kind of shake my head. I think he might need some space for the moment. He'll come back when he's ready. I'm sure he's fine. Okay. We'll give him a little while, and if he doesn't come back, then we'll look for him. But I think right now would be the best time to just let him be. But So as long as he doesn't disappear. Like I said, we'll give him a little while before we worry. But I think I'm going to go do my meditation and try to contact my watcher to see if she has any answers. So I'm going to call it a good night for now. But if you need me, just come wake me up. And with that, she's going to stand up and kind of walk to the tree line. And kind of find a spot to sit. And okay. um, try to contact Harrison in okay. her deep meditation. As Celine begins to walk into the forest... Moss, you hear within your head. I have consulted with the raven. He's very glad to hear that we are all alive. He said that our souls disappeared from the flow. And he wasn't sure for how long, but he was glad to see them reappear. He does not know where you went. All he knows is that you ceased to exist for a number of days. That's... Days. Oh. Wow. Thank you, Kata. Of course. Celine, you walk over to the forest on the outside edge of camp, still within sight of the campfire, but enough of a distance to give yourself some peace. You sit down on the soft, leafy ground. You close your eyes, fall into your meditation, and in this meditation, you call out to your watcher. And in Normally, when you do this, you find your consciousness transported to the peninsula within the Eternal Shade Forest, where you have on so many occasions conversed with a somewhat physical being. But during this time, all you hear is a voice. Celine, what do you need from us? Harrison, something happened to us that we can't quite explain. And perhaps maybe you can give some insight into it. We will offer any insight we can. Well, we're on our way to Sheraton for one of our patterns. And walking along the woods and we somehow got transported to i guess another plane i guess is what it would be called and it was very 
vibrant and bright. There was a giant treant there, giant elks, and I, I don't know how we got there. It was very odd. A treant, tended by giant elk. Tell me, were the elk grazing on red foliage? Yes. That grove has been dead for 2,000 years. How did you go there? That's the part we can't figure out. We don't know. We somehow just, like I said, we were just walking. And then all of a sudden just kind of entered. I'm not exactly sure. At the very least, we can tell you you did not travel to an alternate plane. You seemed to have traveled to an alternate time. A time long before your own. That grove was one of our prized possessions. One of our best projects. A beautiful forest. Just south of the Glacier Spine Mountain Range. Vibrant trees. And we assigned the giant elk to tend to these trees and gave them life. But as time passed, people came through, cutting down the trees and killing the treants, rendering the forest inert and banal. But as we said, that tree, that grove has been dead for almost 2,000 years. Then, if it's been dead, then why were we there? It would seem you stepped into a different time. A time long before your own. If people killed the trees, then what happened to the elk that were grazing there? The elk were run out first. The peoples of this plain recognized the elk as the caretakers, and knew that the treants would not survive without them. They were killed first. Eventually the treants were hunted down, leaving only normal trees to be harvested for buildings and paper. Are those the same trees that made Sheraton, perhaps? That made the town that we're going to? These trees were used in many towns. But as far as we know, the trees themselves were used in the founding of the Great Kingdom. I just don't understand why we got transported there. That's the one thing I don't understand. Are we supposed to stop this from happening in other places of the world? We do not have answers for how you came to be there, as we do not oversee 
time. All we can offer are our, our, are our memories of that once beautiful grove. Well, that's definitely helpful. And perhaps I can find more about them as well as we travel. Thank you, Harrison. I appreciate it. Before you return, at least let me offer you this. Your mind goes fuzzy for a moment and is then inundated with flashes, imagery of the grove that you were in. And as your vision, as your, as your perception rises into a bird's eye view, you pull upward and upward and upward, looking out on an expanse hundreds, thousands of miles wide. Nothing but vibrant green and orange forests spotted with pinks and reds. You can see within it tall uh, elks just kind of moving about, grazing, pruning, tending to the various foliage. And then the image flickers a bit. You see people running into the forest, weapons in hand. You see elks being felled and killed. You see treants being attacked and burned alive. The forests cut down to bare minimums, logs being pulled out, and the building of a great castle in the middle of a wide land surrounded by a lake. This is what became of that forest and of that grove. We are glad that you at least got to see it in its prime. Well, thank you for that information, Harrison, and I appreciate you giving me this vision as well. I will definitely let the others know what you have told me, and perhaps they'll have some insight as well. I hope you can find whatever sent you to that time. I do we as well. Wish, we wish we could go back. And at that point, you stop hearing her voice within your head, and you continue your meditation and rest. Would anything else like to be done with this evening? Shatner would like to try to find a nice, uh, good branch to sit in. You gonna sleep in a tree tonight? Yeah. It's actually not difficult. Um, by looking around at the densely packed trees around you and your ability to hop, you do find a fairly decent-sized branch on the outer edge of the campsite that is large enough to support your weight. You may have to tie yourself down with some ropes and daggers, but it's sturdy enough. She's uh, definitely going to prep that branch for herself then for when she does go to sleep. Okay. And Moss, Crystal, Gurn. Um, <clears throat> Moss is going to try and speak to Gurn at some point, but he wants to do it when everybody else isn't around. Right. Crystal is going to go find somewhere and lay down to go to sleep. 
Is no one using the fucking tent? I forgot that there was the tent put up. I was gonna say, you sleep you in a tent. You watched us. You watched yes. us. <laughs> yeah, you offered moral support. Come on now. Uh, then she's gonna go into the tent and sleep. As you open the tent, you find Vice sitting <laughs> in the back of the tent, staring at his knees in the darkness. That seems so sad. <laughs> Gurn is by Fire Edge. It's holding a stick in his hands. Head down, shaft, pommel in his hands, just kind of sitting there staring at the fire. Blank faced. He, uh, he's not like a hundred percent sure what went on, and he's not quite sure how to react. And he's just trying to like think about that because Gurn's not used to magic and something to just port him rip him into a different place and then put him back has got him kind of puzzled and a little uneasy. I mean, Gurn's not really the type to have fear. Alright. So we have a couple of potential interactions here. Uh, Gurn and Moss, you are now alone. We will start with you, and then we'll flash back to Crystal and Vice. Okay. So, Moss will walk over and sit next to Gurn. And look at him and go, uh, Gurn, I got kind of a weird question for you. Gurn's still kind of locked in a gaze on the fire. And then he shakes his head and turns. <clears throat> yes, Moss. I had to fight and kill a decent amount of things in your life, right? <clears throat> Food, life, just so I Gurn can be. I've, I mean, I've hunted for food and things like that, but I was raised to not hurt other humanoids. I've had to... Gren's going to look at you puzzled. Why? A number of reasons. A lot of it was if we didn't bother them, they didn't bother us. Kind of a self-sustaining we don't hurt you, you don't hurt us kind of thing. <clears throat> Guernsey. I've had to so far, I've had to take two lives recently and it's kind of been messing with me a little bit. Actually, it's because of how 
Somehow I'm okay with it. Figured with you having to done it more than you have, you might have some advice or something. Kern? Kern, no, no, how, but... You can tell Gurn's kind of struggling with how to formulate what he's trying to say. Gurn, kill, cuz... Gurn, all he know from life before Goblin. Kern, not full orc, right? Kern <laughs> is half. Gurn, live in kill or be kill. So, you know you're good, Moss. You do stuff to save, and you don't want to kill. But you you have to to be here because you're good. It's almost like you were kind of is the exact opposite as I was. And now both of us are doing things differently but good reasons <clears throat> thank, thank you Gurn that actually helps a lot Gurn will tell you more Sometime. Dude. But Pat. Kern's going to reach out and grab onto your shoulder. Make full eye contact with you. Must. Gurn can kill. Last hit if you need. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Gurn. You just beat him up. Okay. I'll pat Gurn on the shoulder and I'll kind of 
walk around and take a watch. <clears throat> no, Mas, you're asleep. Gurn, look. Okay, wake, wake me up when it's my turn, okay? Okay. Okay, so Mas will go over to Kata and get situated and go. And as Kata welcomes you into her serpentine grace, uh, embrace, you uh, settle in, you know, pull into your shell. Kind of leaving one of your hands out of your shell so that you can pet Kata's abdomen. We're going to pan over to Crystal and Vice. Crystal, you stand within the doorway of the tent, looking in. Your dark, accustomed eyes look in, and you can see Vice sitting in a far corner, kind of sitting up, but in a curled position, just kind of staring down at his knees. In a very pathetic position. In a very pathetic position. However, even you have a sense of sympathy in this moment. It is so overwhelmingly pathetic, even you may have some difficulty being snarky. <laughs> um, like, hi, like, Vice. Oh, hi. What are you, like, doing? Uh, I suppose you could say that I was, uh, trying to find a little bit of, uh, privacy. Oh, where are you? Sh should I, like, leave? Is this, like, an awkward, like, moment? No, you're, you're fine. Okay, you're gonna continue just sitting in the corner? And potentially sleep at some point, yes. But, uh, it's probably not the worst thing that you were the one to discover, uh, my location. Not that I was really hiding. Um. Well, you did, like, disappear without, like, anyone knowing, so, like, I guess you could consider it, like, hiding. This would be a terrible spot to hide. This is the first place I would look. Um, like, the first place you would look, but, well, like, would anyone, like, else, like, look here first? I think it would be pretty stupid to not look in the only structure within 300 yards of the camp. Would you disagree? Um, like, no, I, I like, wouldn't. Anyway, regardless of the nature of the hiding spot, um... Like I said, it's probably for the best that you were the one that found me here. Uh, there's no real easy way to ask this. When your father passed, and you were dealing with that, I'm sure that there were reminders of him and his life that came up. How do you deal with those reminders when they do? Oh, um... 
Well, she's just gonna go silent for a moment, looking away. It's only been like, what, like a week or two? I think it's only been a short while. Uh, at this point, it's been about two and a half weeks since you discovered the body of your father. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know. I don't think I'm the best to, like, help you with that. Well, the only other person I know I can ask would be Moss or Shatton, because they're both orphans. But, uh, I'll be honest with you, Crystal, I don't really trust Shat like that, and I fear that Moss already knows too much about me. Ah. I'm, I'm uncomfortable asking him for more uh, assistance in that manner. Well, like, I I don't, like, think I can, like, help. Um, I... It hasn't, like, been that long. And, um, you know, I... I think of my father, the body... Constantly. But, you know, it, it'll all be like, alright. You know? No. I I fear I don't. You know, like, time, time will, like, pass, and, you know, like, maybe time will, like, help. Yeah. Can I roll insight to see if you actually believe that? Yep. Vice, roll insight. Uh, Crystal. Deception if you don't believe it. Persuasion if you do believe it. All you have to do is give us the total. Alright. I've got 19 on my insight. Uh, I got 12. Alright. And did you roll deception or persuasion? Deception. Crystal, you... You don't have to put on a brave face. You realize that, right? Um, like, what do you, like, mean? Crystal, you're a terrible liar. I've known you for, well, we've had maybe a half a week of travel together, and then I've known you a few days before that, and I can already tell, or tell you that you're lying through your teeth. Well, um, we need to work on that, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could work on lying better. Yeah, I, I think that would be a very good thing to do. You don't think time's going to make it easier? Well, like, I have to. But you don't believe it. Well, Not like, eventually I will. You know, like, you say something enough, and it, it it's true. 
The reason I ask, Crystal, is before we went or we made it to Interior, before we met you, um, maybe a week and a half before, um, I don't know that we shared this with you, but we were in Hassel on the other continent uh, near Green Coast City. And we were in a tower in Hastholm, run by uh, Master Northam. And in the process of our escape of a dragon in Hastholm, we the tower collapsed, and Northam is presumably dead. Sharing this with you, and asking how you deal with reminders, purely because when we were in that other forest, that one that was uh, perhaps enchanted. When I left that forest and went into the ethereal plane, I saw some, I, I could see that it wasn't quite right. And when I was in the ethereal plane, Master Northam reached out to me and I could hear his voice speaking in my head as a reminder that he is still there, but he is gone. An audible reminder. So yes, I, I, I guess what I'm asking is, does it actually get easier? How do you deal with those reminders? Well, um, I like suppose like, I haven't. It hasn't, like, been long. And it was always a possibility that he was, like, dead. But, um, yeah, you know, like, I haven't figured it out. Um, like, I, I, I think constantly. But, maybe, like, a I'll, I'll figure it out. Because I, uh... I do get those reminders, like, constantly. And, like... It's... It's hard. Right. So... I will tell you that if I find a way to deal with those reminders, I will let you know. And I hope that if you find a way to deal with them and make them less uh, mentally painting, that you will also share that with me. Of course. Because right now, uh, a little shaken up about that. Yes, that like sounds like jarring. It absolutely is, to say the least. But... You get yourself some rest, and, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll take first watch, and, uh, I'll be back in a bit later. Well, like, good night. She is going to just lay down inside the tent in a different corner. Vice will make his way to the backside flaps of the tent before stopping and turning around 
and going, Crystal, sincerely, thank you. Well, um, you're welcome. And then he'll exit the tent. Okay. Crystal, as you're left with your thoughts, Vice softly exits the tent and walks around the corner to find Gurn, still awake, sitting by the fire. Staring deeply into the fire, kind of just holding stick, the pommel pressed into the ground, just very surprisingly contemplative for Gurn. He's very still, very, he's very calm. Good evening, Gurn. And Vice will take take a seat uh, a couple feet away from Gurn, same side of the fire. You're not asleep? No, I figured that uh, someone would be out here taking first watch, and, uh, you know, friend, it, um, I'm kind of glad it's you. <laughs> and Vice is going to smile softly towards Gurn. Tis good to see you, Vice. Vice is going to look at Stick. Um, how how just drenched in dried human remains is it? It's filthy. Like, whatever sheen that weapon may have had when Kent originally gifted it to you guys, it is now covered in dried blood, bits of flesh at the pointy bits, and dirt. With the exception of the handle because Gurn is constantly wielding this weapon. Gurn, do you ever clean your weapons? <laughs> Just with the blood of the next guy. That is uh, surprisingly, uh, not really surprisingly even, just very gruesome. I think Stick likes it. And Garn's going to gently rub the head of the maul. Just kind of like crusting some of the dirt, blood, and leftover hair remnants. What? (laughs) Sorry. The hair remnants got me. Would you like me to clean it for you? While we talk and just enjoy the fire. Okay. Grunt's going to hand stick over to you. Yeah. Vice, are you going to take stick from Gurn? If he's offering it to me, yes. If he's going to throw it at me, I'm going to try to dodge it. No, just handed it out. Okay. 
So with one arm, Gurn reaches out and goes to hand you stick. I'm going to attempt to to take it and probably have to roll a strength check. Strength saving throw. Yeah, figured. Yep. DM, can I try to use two hands? I'm assuming you're using two hands. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> Vice grabs onto it. And as Gurn releases some of the weight, um, I'm I'm hoping Gurn can use his reaction to take it back onto his into his possession, um, because Vice is unable to properly wield it as it starts falling towards the ground, even with two hands on it. As um, I rolled a three, Gurn, as he hands it to you, and he sees your hands start to grasp the shaft of stick he dead drops it expecting you to be able to at least hold this thing up I mean it's one handed for him he doesn't think it's too heavy yeah vice you plummet to the ground how fucking heavy is this thing DM how heavy is the mall yeah 45 50 pounds what the fuck kind of mall is 50 pounds Mm -hmm. fair enough uh, <laughs> the mall hits the ground at a loud thud as Vice's hands are now pinned between the ground and the mall. Oh, sorry. Gurn's going to lift the stick and then set it back down so that he is not pinned by it. Oh, oh, thank you, Gurn. Um, yeah, and Vice is going to sit down and, like, try to pick it up onto his lap. Okay. And, like, shift it from his side onto his lap to where he can actually work on it. You do so successfully. Now that you're familiar with this item's weight. The whole point of the strength saving throw was how prepared you were for the sudden shift, the sudden application of that weight. It's not that yeah. you can't handle it. It's that it was surprisingly heavy. Yeah, Zandy was just as surprised as Vice. As to how heavy this fucking mall is. Jesus Christ. There are reasons. Um, Vice is going to uh, reach into his coat pocket and grab a cloth and begin uh, just kind of wiping off the, the mall at first. Just passively looking down at it and wiping it. So... Gunner, how long did you live alone on the mountain? I don't think I've ever asked you that. <clears throat> Kent and Meme and Goblins found me. Gurn was... Eight? So, Gurn is two, three. So you lived, so you've known the goblins for uh, most of your life then. <clears throat> 
So did you live with the goblins in the in the in the town? And then you, at first, and then you moved out back up to the mountain on your own and would come down to visit. Bring food because they can't live there. Too many big. <laughs> so I have another question. Um, the items that the goblins would find up on the mountain, was that them or was that you bringing them other things as well? It was mainly them. Coast and water where they find. Hmm. They find me. Oh, so it's that's where they found you. Why, uh, why did you choose the mountain instead of living closer, uh, living somewhere that it was uh, a little warmer, like over near the coast? Me always told of big, big, big down there, so Gern just stayed in cold. I'm going to interject real quick. Gurn, you also know that the coastline that they salvaged the shipwrecks was no warmer. Think Arctic Circle. Gurn, don't know more of than ice. This. Gesturing around at the trees and he also points down at his feet as he spreads his toes and digs his toes into the earth and like picks some dirt and vegetation up and then drops them this all new to Gern you seem uh unbothered by all this new experience happening to you. All of these are completely different things. Or at least you you hide your worries well. Gurn do worry but When, when Kern wake up, Kern think, what can Kern do to make Meme proud? Every day. As you look over to Vice, um, you finish that thought, and you notice that he has entirely stopped cleaning stick. And at this point, he's kind of just staring at what he had done. Um, which to him, looks like he just smeared the shit on the stick 
all over. Um, <laughs> but to you, it looks like there's a cleaner spot. <laughs> um, but but you can tell he's he's deep in thought at the end of that sentence. Vice. Is your knee okay? Yes, good. My knee is fine. Thank you. I, uh... <laughs> just been doing a little bit of thinking since we came out of that forest. Gurn too. What kind of magic? DM, can I roll a check to see if I can recall at this moment the different schools of magic and which one might pertain the best to a, a displacement? Uh, referring to that shift in reality that you dealt with? Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll Arcana. That's an eight. Yeah, you can't be certain. With an eight and the knowledge that I believe the blue crystals were glowing, mm. which were transmutation. Divination. Divination. Could I infer that with an eight? Or do you think that that's a little too much of a stretch? With an eight, you would know, especially having uh, taken tutelage from Northam and his particular focus on divination magic, reading the stars. There's a disconnect there. There are certain schools of magic that will transport a person from one place to another. There are certain schools of magic that affect the elements specifically. There are schools for illusion. There are schools you know, for all sorts of things. You know that those blue crystals are effectively the physical form of pure divination magic. With an eight, you are very uncomfortable with those crystals having been glowing because they have nothing to do with transportation. Okay. Um, well, it'd be something that I'd have to think about a little more on. Um, however, I do know that there are several different uh, types of magic um, that are refer that they're referred to as schools. Um, for example, the ability to do this, and Vice will snap his fingers and cast Dancing Lights, just a single dim light in his hand. Um, he'll, and he'll gesture out to Gurn and say, this would be, uh, I believe it's evocation which is also the same one 
that allows me to throw fire. Like when I cast a spell and fire comes out of my hand and hits something. It'd be the same school there. Um, however, I, I don't know what, what took us to that other forest. I, I would have to think about it. Uh, I, at this moment, I'm, my, my mind is a little cloudy. I'd have to think more about that. Turn two. But Kern don't like that magic. Well, in the event that we ever have to use it, I will let you know before we do. I'm, uh, to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that, uh, nobody got overly nauseous at the uh, transportation magic. Things like that uh, can make some people wheezy, almost make them throw up. Some people with weak stomachs, not like you, Gern, I'm sure you have a very strong stomach, uh, might even throw up. Gurn, Gurn, still want that to your heart. If we ever find a, uh, a deer of that size again, and we aren't being threatened by a giant talking tree, we will make sure to get you that deer heart. Vice is going to look down at Stick again and uh, take his cloth. And as he's running his the cloth along along Stick, like along the blades of the or the the edges of the mall and things, he's going to cast Prestidigitation to clean it underneath his cloth to make it look like he's wiping the filth away. Whereas he's actually just magic, magicking it away. <laughs> it look new when Kent gave me. New and better, because now it has a skull on the end of it. No, that's. This points to his glaive still on his back. You see, my mind's a little cloudy. I wasn't paying attention, Gun. What's happening? <laughs> nice save. Vice, you should sleep. Clearly, I might need the rest. Uh, here, and Vice will lift stick and hand it back to you. And as he's walking away, he'll cast Prestidigitation one more time and fully clean it. Thanks. You're welcome, good. Uh, 
Have a safe watch. Good night, buddy. Night. And Vice will go back in the rear entrance of the tent, set up his bedroll, and quietly hunker down as to not wake Crystal with a K. Okay. Gurn, you are now left by your lonesome by the fire. As the night progresses, you occasionally grab a branch or a log to keep the fire stoked. I am not going to ask for a survival roll, as the remainder of this night is very quiet. The occasional flit of a bird, the hoot of an owl. There is nothing in this forest that poses even a modicum of a threat to you. And you are very confident that in this time, you and your friends are safe. Is there anything you would like to do in the remaining couple of hours of your watch before you go to wake Moss for the second watch? Garn is just going to just be feeling feeling the earth actually while he's while he's sitting by the fire uh, he has stick to his side head down and he's just you know feet on the ground one hand on the ground just feeling the earth and being aware do you bury your toes beneath the foliage and into the soft moist soil it is warm is comfortable. It's far better than the snow that you spent most of your life dealing with. You think back to before the snow, chained in that tent, barren stone beneath your feet, always cold, always damp. The noise that permeates the air around you. You think on that as you listen to the quiet forest around you and how much of a difference this is, how far you have come in these 15 plus years. This soil you've buried your toes into is welcoming. And pardon the verbiage you feel grounded. You feel like this is the right path where you should be, where for so much of your life, you knew that where you were was not home. Even with the goblins living up on the mountain, you had a sense of home. But now that you believe you are truly free, this is where you belong. The confusion and the longing for understanding that Gurn was washed with earlier when it was first staring into the fire has pretty much subsided and almost a peaceful glow is about his demeanor as he's just looking forward to being. As a couple of hours pass, you continue feeling the soil 
between your fingers and your toes, kind of pushing away the leaves so you can get down to the actual dirt. Occasionally, out of the, out of the corner of your eye, watching the firelight glint off the now polished head of stick. You start to feel tired. And you feel like it's about time that Moss took over. I'm going to make my way over to where Moss and Kata is. And I'm going to try to do so quietly. I do not wish to wake Kata. Go ahead and roll stealth. That is a 17. Believe that beats Kata's passive. Yep. Okay. So Kata does not stir. You see Moss's shell kind of wrapped up within Kata's long body. Gurn is going to get close enough to be able to reach out and lick Kata's face but he's going to be in a prone position to where he's able to just lay down and pretend he's sleeping as well after he does so. So you're going to lick Kata and then pretend yeah. to sleep. Yep, Garn hasn't gotten to yet and he has tried to a couple times. He wants to get this in there. Okay, so you managed to sneak up you're stealthy enough that you manage to sneak up. You lay on the ground, your face next to Kata's. You slop out your half-work tongue. It's a long drag across her mandible. And she kind of shudders, jerks up. And in that same moment, you drop your head the extra couple inches into the, into the dirt and pretend to sleep. You can hear her as the leaves beneath her crunch as she lifts her head. You can feel her breath on your face. And then you feel a snake-like tongue shoot out and drag across your cheek. And it does this two or three times. And then stops. Moss, you are awakened by Kata stirring in this moment, and as you poke your head out of your shell, you look over at Kata, and she's kind of staring down at Gurn, flicking out her tongue occasionally, and Gurn appears to be sleeping next to you. Kata will hear in her head, uh, uh, okay? It licked me. Yeah, he does that. I can smell his last meal on my face. Um, that's... That's probably kind of unpleasant. I can try and wipe it off if you'd like. I will cope for now. And she kind of, she stands up, unwraps from you, Moss, and just kind of finds a different corner of the camp to lay down in. As she's standing up, Gurn's going to pop his head up, prop his head up and look up at her. 
How to current taste. Moss, you'll hear in your head. Like shit. And as she walks away from you, Gurn, she flicks you in the head with the tip of her tail. Okay. You taste good, though. Kia, she says you taste like shit. Hmm. Makes sense. Mas, um, your turn. Okay. Uh, anything I should know about or all quiet? Um, there's not much here. Good. Thank you, Gurn. Get some sleep. <clears throat> Gurn's gonna grab your shoulder before you go. You are good, Mas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, And he licks you in the face, and then he turns and he goes and lays down. Wipe mm, my face off. <clears throat> Start making rounds around the campsite. Is there anything you'd like to do during this time? At first, I'll just, like, keep my eyes open for anything, like, that could be around, just to be safe. As you make your rounds, the forest is quiet. Everybody seems to be sleeping peacefully. You peek inside the tent to see if anybody is in there, and you do see Vice kind of passed out crystal is in there as well in an opposite corner of the tent they are still keeping a very significant physical distance from each other you continue making your rounds Gurn's passed out on the ground you look up and you see Shatten kind of resting on a tree branch you try to very quietly get to the area where you know that Celine went to take her peaceful meditation and everybody seems to be okay Right where you left them. Okay. After he's confident, like, they're, everything's pretty safe, he wants to try and do something a little weird. Okay, give me weird. Uh, he wants to go towards the edge of the camp and clear out, like, a good five foot by five foot section so he can see the, the ground. Okay. And then he wants to take uh, Glacia's tooth and throw it into the ground. Are you going to step back when you do this? Mm -hmm. Yes? Yep. Okay. So, you find an area away from everybody else. You clear off the, the fallen foliage until you reveal... until you reveal the soft, moist earth of the forest floor. Decayed leaves and twigs and just soil. Fresh, clean soil. As you're pushing it aside, it smells amazing. And 
you step back 10, 15 feet, and you pull out the solid black javelin, wielding it in your hand, and you throw it forward, and you land dead center in the area that you had cleared out. And not half a second later, there is a burst of frosty mist, and the entire area that you had cleared off along with the foliage that you had pushed to the side, is instantly frozen and covered in frost. Okay. So Moss will recall it back to himself, stow it, and then he's going to go over to that section of ground and start digging into it, looking for basically worms and things he can use as bait that can't get away because they're frozen. Okay. Uh, taking this method and the amount of space that you have frozen, it is going to consume the remainder of your watch. Okay. Because worms are not big. Mm-hmm. And you've frozen this solid. Yep. You're picking up blocks of solid dirt and breaking it apart in the hopes that you will find whole worms within. Basically, yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it to you. This is very moist forest floor that you've done this with. Um, And given the uh, space that you did, I'm going to say that you managed to pull up about six good-sized bait earthworms. Cool. Just really, like, genuinely good-sized ones. Ones you feel you might be able to cut into sections and use for a couple castings. Add those to my inventory. You have six dead frozen worms. And when I unless, go to- uh, unless earthworms are one of those creatures that like go into a hibernation when the earth freezes, I don't know. I'm not a worm uh, biologist. Not sure. I'm not a wormologist. And when I By go to means. put this in my bag, I will reach in and pull out a handful of moss. Not sure why that's there. Look a little confused and throw that away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then stow those in a, away. It's actually when you are almost done clearing out the section that you want to uh, search through that you start hearing the crunching of leaves as Celine finishes her meditation and begins to come back to the camp. Celine, as you awaken, stand up, stretch a little bit. New information granted to you by your watcher. You walk back to camp, and in the faint firelight, you see just off the side of the camp, Moss seems to be hunched over, pulling the ground up and breaking it apart into pieces and occasionally throwing something in his bag. He has his back turned to you at the moment as he is somewhat focused on his project. Um, after waking up from my meditation, um, before I walk over to Moss, can I do something real quick? Yeah. Um, can I pull out the di- divination 
gems? Sure. And can I inspect them? Sure. Like, like can I use like detect magic to figure out what like what they do? Do you have detect magic? I do. I actually um put it in my my spell. Okay. Thing. So you burn the spell slot and you cast detect magic. And as you do, the various magical items of your party members around you start to ping as you pick up on the various things that they are each carrying. A somewhat strong pull comes from Moss and the bag on his hip. And you recognize that as the bag that was gifted to your party by Northam. Then you look down and focus this spell, this spell's effect, on the small blue crystals you hold in your hand. And on the basis of that spell you cast, you can tell that these crystals are a pure form of divination magic. That's all I can tell? Uh, based on that spell, yes. Okay. Because that um, spell allows you to find magical items and identify the schools of magic with which they are associated. Alright, after that, um, I will put the gems back in my bag, and I will get up, and then walk towards Moss. Kind of try to figure out what he's doing before I ask him. Like, can I tell what he's doing or no? He digging. Okay. From what uh -huh. you can tell, he seems to be hunched over a small patch of revealed earth. And even from your distance with your dark vision, you can tell that there is a difference in the earth that he is digging into uh, compared to the earth around him. It appears frozen. Like he's pulling up chunks of earth, but it appears almost solid like rock and he appears to be pulling it up breaking it apart occasionally finding something within these chunks and sticking it in his bag you're not positive what he's doing but but he digging alright um I'm gonna approach him I'm not gonna be stealthy about it or anything I'm gonna kind of make my presence known <clears throat> um Moss, what are you digging for? I'm just looking for bait. Oh, okay. Break one of them apart and find a decent-sized earthworm and, like, hold it up to you in its frozen state. Yep. Put it away. Interesting. Ah. Uh, did you happen to talk to your watcher by chance um yeah in a way so how exactly do i explain this in his realm or whatever there's a waterfall and that waterfall is basically people's lives it starts somewhere and ends somewhere else apparently our entire group disappeared for a few days completely 
and he had no idea where we went. He was just happy that he made it back, basically. That our souls completely disappeared from this entire existence. Well, I also communicated with my watcher, and she told me some pretty interesting information. If you would like to sit down and talk about it, yeah. it would be easier. Yeah, let's, but I'll let you finish first. Um, I'm pretty much done. And then with that, I will basically make my way over the fire, kind of to get warm a little bit. Rub my hands together as I hold them kind of outstretched to the fire. I'll, uh, I'll follow Selene over and sit down near her. So, my watcher told me that where we went was actually the past. Um, about 2,000 years in the past, to be exact. That doesn't make Apparently, any sense. Well, that's what I asked her, too. Um, apparently, that particular grove, that's what it looked like 2,000 years ago. And apparently, those elk um, gave life, I guess, to the forest, from what I can understand she was saying. And... Um, That grove is south of the Glacier Spine Mountains as well. But basically she said what happened to that grove is people came, ran the elk out, and then killed all the treants and made them into what is known as the kingdom now. Uh, and completely destroyed it. So... Basically, it would make sense that the elk, because the treant called it, called them the caretakers. Yeah. And if we went back in time, we killed the elk. Basically. We did this. Yes. People uh, killed the elk or ran them off and then basically destroyed that grove destroying a lot of the, lot of the woods around us to make the kingdoms and houses and other towns and cities surrounding us basically is what she was saying to clarify Harrison did not show you your party killing the elk no no no, no. I, I know but yeah no this is more clarifying for Moss okay. She did not show your party killing the elk. She showed people in droves going into the forest, killing and running out the elk, and then moving on to the treants, and then using the forest and the treants to build a kingdom. Just clarifying okay. that, because I, I feel like Moss had a bit of a misunderstanding there. Sorry, uh, I'm trying, I had notes no, written down. I'm not, just trying to like... Not your fault. Not your fault. My no, no. Place, Moss so. was just going off <laughs> the information he was given at the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. 
But yeah, it wasn't us. We didn't do this. People way before us did this. The only thing that doesn't make sense that Harrison can't understand either is how we got there. She kept asking me how we got there and I couldn't give her an answer. I told her we just kind of ended up there. And unfortunately she couldn't reveal much else after that. But she shared a very interesting vision with me too. And I figured that as we travel along, perhaps we can find out more about this particular grove as we travel. Dig into if there is anything written about it. That's what I'm hoping for. Either something written or somebody may know something from word of mouth or something. Anything might help. DM, I got a silly question. Give me silly. That vision I have, do I still have it? Like, it's still in my mind? Like, it wasn't like... Uh, you, it, it was shown to you. So okay. it would effectively now be in your memory. Is there a way that I could try to share it with Moss or no? You, unless you have a spell that would allow you to cast that vision... There are ways to do this. There are spells that allow you to do this. Minor illusion would allow you to kind of show this. Major illusion would kind of allow you to show this. But if you don't have these kind of spells prepared, not really. Um, it, it, like I could vaguely allow it with like Shatten's ability to do telekinesis, but that's more about communication. Communication can be a vague phrase. There are ways to work around this. I don't know if you have anything like that prepared. Nope, oh, I don't even have spells like that. Okay, no, I was just curious. That's why I was asking yes. a silly question. Yeah, no, like, no. Ah. No silly questions. It's possible, but not something within your uh, realm of, of capability. Okay. At the moment. You never know what you guys might come across in the future. That, that is the rules of D&D. &D. The... So I'm going to turn back to Moss. Um, the only thing... I did not ask my watcher about, which I forgot. Do you remember when we were there, the gems glowed? They were, they were glowing. You didn't that, see that. Oh, I didn't see that? Vice is the only one that saw that when he traveled into the Oh, uh, okay. I figured no. since I was carrying them, I saw them glow. Nope, because they didn't glow where you were. Okay. If, never if mind I then. didn't, if I didn't make that clear, Vice is the only one that saw that, and only when okay. he was in the ethereal plane. All right, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Never nope, mind that, then. That's fine. Never mind. Void that then. <clears throat> Dude, uh, definitely look more into this. Yeah, definitely. It's. A little curious that we traveled to the past of what used to be here yeah. and it's something I wanted to perhaps ask Vice about as well to see if he knows anything perhaps from his town maybe if anyone talked about it or spoke about it I mean, it's 
it is possible, but like you said, it was 2,000 years ago, and the uh, Trian said there wasn't a town around for hundreds of miles. So. That's true. fact we got there is a little concerning yeah that part she was definitely curious about and I wish I knew how we got there in the first place as well but I don't even know what triggered it for us to go there all I knew is that we were walking and then just ended up there yeah it was weren't there and then we were there and it, like I, I can't even make heads or tails of it I'm not sure um I did have another question for you Moss by chance yeah so <clears throat> I casted detect magic when I woke up because I want to do figure out what kind of magic the gems were. Your bag was giving us some very strong magic. What kind of bag is that? Not exactly sure. But, I mean, it seems like inside it's just almost an infinite place I can put things. I'm just curious. Yeah. Northam didn't really say too much about it, more just what was inside it. He didn't leave a note or anything saying what it was? Not really. All he till the note really said was what was in it and what the stuff in it did. Huh. Just figured I'd ask. It was just a curiosity. Yeah. I wish I knew more about it. I hoping at some point to find out more about it myself. I do know whatever Shatten put in there, I can't get out. That's fun. I'm sure we'll figure it out at some point how to get whatever she put in there out. Probably. It's probably more potatoes for all we know. Good idea. I'm going to reach into the bag of holding and see if I can pull out potatoes. <laughs> okay. Do you have potatoes listed on the current contents no. of the bag? Then as you stick your hand into the bag and think to yourself, potatoes, <laughs> nothing conjures into your hand. I'll pull my hand out and be like, well, it wasn't potatoes. What I is her obsession with potatoes why does she not like them or why does she hide them I haven't been able to quite figure that one out uh, the hiding part is I don't know Chatton likes to pull pranks potatoes themselves is at the uh orphanage we grew up at there was we had to farm potatoes for food basically so it was pretty much all we ever ate 
eat I something. I could see why you'd be sick of potatoes then. Yep. Yeah, me, me, Shatten, and Forthus don't really like potatoes that much anymore. Well, I'll make sure I never get potatoes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you gotta eat just to survive, so. That's fair. <laughs> I should probably get some sleep, Selene. Alright. I'll keep watch for a bit. Uh, thank you. Go you go rest. Muscle. Walk over to where Kata's new spot is and lay down. Um, Selene, is there anything you would like to do during your watch? Um, I am going to summon a barn owl for to assist me in my watch, but also kind of for company as well. Okay. So as you hold your arm up and concentrate your wild shape magic, a barn owl, as you hold your arm there, a light mist kind of rolls in and coalesces over your arm and forms into the shape of a barn owl and then solidifies into the creature and you suddenly feel its weight on your arm and it gives you a gentle hoot kind of looks into your eye just kind of knowingly and you kind of raise your arm up real quick and it flies up and off Maybe about five minutes later, you hear it swoop down into the ground and you hear the light shriek of a small mouse. You know your owl is out there. As the night progresses, everything is quiet, everything is still, and it reminds you of your time back in your home, surrounded by the trees. As the day as the night progresses, you start to feel the day become a little bit warmer. The fog condenses on the trees and you start to hear the drops of water falling off of the leaves and onto the foliage on the ground. And as this continues, a very, very peaceful night, you start to see the tops of the trees lighten with the first rays of the morning sun. And that is where we're going to take our break. And we're audible again. Hey. <laughs> Hello, viewers. Y'all hanging in so far? Yes? What no? is cool. going on, peoples? It's okay. Thank you all again for being here. We greatly appreciate the viewership greatly appreciate the presence this is awesome for us we love doing this and we love having you guys here um so yeah before we go into questions i do want to give a quick shout out to um Riletti live for the raid <laughs> thank you very much um we really do appreciate that support uh and you are the first raid we've gotten here so thank you very much for that support thank you Yay! So I don't know Thank anything you. about Twitch. What is a raid? I don't either, but I'm, I'm still excited. <laughs> so a raid is what happens when um, a channel is live. And then when they go offline, they send their viewers over to another channel um, when they close out. So like if I was streaming on my channel 
and I went over and I was like, oh, hey, Zeph's live. Well, we're gonna, he's playing a similar game to me or, you know, he's he's someone that, that I know well and I think you guys would enjoy his content. You send your viewers over that way as, as kind of a group. And it's called a raid. That sounds awesome. Thank you, then. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, big thank you. Uh, Morningstar, I am sorry I startled the hell out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We do actually have one question in the chat from P2 Safety Junkie. I know who you are. Hi. Um... They asked, do the Treants have marker trees? Forgive my spelling. Marker trees are very ancient, used by indigenous people for navigation to food, water, nomad seasonal sheltering. In this game, the Treants would be familiar with this practice. Uh, the class Druid has a, call it a secret, secret language called Druidic. Which is effectively that. It's a hidden language written within the forest on the trees, that kind of thing. Only druids or people specifically trained in it would be able to even recognize that these markings are there. And they're used for things exactly like that. Being able to find food, water, shelter within a forest that would otherwise be um, unable to be navigated. The treants may have their own form of that. However, as far as I know, there is not an established lore. And it would it would depend on the DM for whatever game is being presented to decide whether or not the trance within their realm or their universe would have that ability or established form of communication. Um, however, the trants by nature are, since they are effectively living animated trees, would have no need for this as they are innately attuned to their own environments and their own forest. So as long as they're not, you know, suddenly transported to a foreign realm or a new forest or something, they they would know where to find these kind of things and would have no need for such a secret language. That's about the best I can answer that question. Anybody else have a good rundown for it? That seems legit. All right. That was also my understanding of yeah. trance. Um, you wouldn't I, necessarily need marker trees so much as you could um, just know your environment for the same reason that if you're in your own neighborhood, probably don't need to look at street signs to know which way to get to the grocery store anymore. Yeah. I'm pretty certain they also have their favorite oaks. They go, hey, I know that oak. How's it going? And they just move on. Um earthworms do die when they're frozen so they don't hibernate like that they just burrow below the frost line in wintertime so they live so I, I, I did, had to look that up I did read that that's they why do, I looked it up too they do kind of hibernate um, but they wouldn't they would be susceptible to a snap freeze Right, so Moss having thrown the javelin in, that sudden burst of insta-freeze, that would have straight up killed them because they'd never have the chance to get into that little mucus cocoon. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you looked we, it up, we looked it up. We weren't sure if earthworms would survive this, so a couple of us looked it up and started posting the results in our Discord channel. 
Gotta be accurate, man. Gotta be accurate. Yep. We gotta know about them earthworms. Hey, man. This show is nothing if not real. Realism is key here in our oh, yeah. fantasy realm. I wish it was my life. No, key mm-hmm. was in uh, Matters of the Gods. <laughs> Thank you for that, Zandy. Anyway, chat, if you've got any more questions, we've got a couple more minutes. If not, we will put our big boy pants on and jump back into the campaign. I do think we should take uh, comments about matters at hand and just kind of nix that in the butt. (laughs) Boy. I was a fan of that. I was was a pretty big fan of that. I approve. Of course you approve. Hey, DM, I have a question. Yeah, what up? If there's more things Night Owl nerds that I want to learn about, where could I do that? You could text me, since you have my phone number. I think he's referring more for the audience who has questions about it. Where would they also look? You could text me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll be posting uh, Zandy's phone number after this Discord. (laughs) Feel free to text him. He'll answer all questions that I will learn. So, yeah, no, good plug. Um, As the viewers may notice that occasionally on rotation and in our chat, screen we have links to our discord channel um a spotify link to well spotify is basically the platform that most of our listeners of the podcast go to um however we are currently hosted on all major podcasting platforms and some minor ones i honestly don't know all the ones we're on but i definitely know that we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts um amazon music and a couple other big ones, um, iHeartRadio. We're on all of those. Uh, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and, well, now, Twitch. And if you go to our main page on our Twitch page, there are links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. Uh, feel free to join, ask questions. We will answer as we can. Um, one or more of us are pretty much always online. We are the Night Owl Nerds. We tend not to sleep. What's uh, so, sleep you speak of? When I'm know, not live right? on Twitch, I'm I'm living on Discord. It's something I want to do. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know what this is. Yeah, pipe I've dreams. Never slept really, in my life. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, sleep? I don't know what sleep is. <laughs> no. Well, remember, you're an elf. You don't sleep. You meditate for four hours. Oh, see, I don't even sleep. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Sleep is for the strong. Yeah. yeah. Sleep is... Sleep is a myth. Anyway. <laughs> I believe we're ready to jump back into this. Apparently yep. dramatic episode. <laughs> I yep. filled up... I filled up my half-gallon water bottle. Um, at the beginning of this session. It's over half-gone. 
Congratulations. I've just, been, I've just been drinking way too much water tonight. So, Hydration. Uh, whoever's closest to Zandy right now should probably get him a bucket and just kind of tuck it under his desk. Zeph, you stay the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> I know you live closest to me. Please don't show up randomly at my doorstep. It won't be with hydrate a bucket. Hydrate or dehydrate. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, All right. Morning, sir. <laughs> well, I think that sums it up before the break. Uh, <laughs> I just have to grab my monster real quick, and then I can be right back. What do you mean? I've been broken this whole time. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you do. <sighs> don't gaslight you, uh... me. I will always gaslight you. It's the only way I can keep you around. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. By the way, you're doing a great job, Sandy. So proud of you. I don't know what you mean by that. I'm so confused. I don't know if he's gaslighting me. Chat, send help. No. Anyway. You tried asking me for help earlier. Yeah, you no tried help asking is me coming. for help too. Yeah, you guys, you guys are terrible at getting me assistance. We never claimed to be nice. I never said you were being mean. I just said you're terrible at getting me assistance. Oh, if you is that the delicious? Helium, do you get higher results? <clears throat> is that peachy keen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought it for her the other day. You know, there's a method to do that with methane, and it's peachy keen buddies. Yeah, peaches. <laughs> All right, Mr. Georgia, calm down. <laughs> All right, let's reel this in. We're good to go. Let's get back into this. <clears throat> Celine, over the loud snores of Gurn, you begin to hear the chirps of birds up high up in the trees as they stir. The sunlight begins to peek through the foliage above. And you know that the next day has begun. And it is time to scream at the top of your lungs and awaken everybody in the camp. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to do that. <laughs> but the thought did occur to me like, God, <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Pots and pans. Yeah. Um, I will call my owl down. I will thank him for the company and for assisting me with the watch, and then I will dismiss him. And as you dismiss him, he dissipates into the same fog he had originally materialized from and is carried off into the morning wind. And then as he is disappearing and everyone's starting to wake up, um, I am going to uh, take whatever is left of the squirrel that wasn't cooked last night and any bit of rations I have and kind of cook it into a breakfast for everybody. If I can. 
Okay. Um, last night's meal with the squirrels that you pulled, feeding a party of um, six. That's pretty much gone. Okay, then some of my rations I'll pull out then and I'll make them into a breakfast then. Okay. For everybody. Okay. Just so everybody has something to eat. Okay. I mean, everybody's got their own rations and you're just handing yours out. Yeah, well... I it's very generous nice. of you. Very generous of you. I Shatton this. gladly accepts. I know you do. You 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 smell something cooking, and you probably untie yourself from that tree branch and just let yourself fall into the soft foliage below and rush over to the campfire. And you find Celine trying to, I don't know, fire roast a biscuit or something. <laughs> I don't know what. I, we'll we'll just say she's making breakfast and everybody's good. Yeah. So you all begin to stir. Uh, Crystal and Vice, you awaken to the interior of the dark tent, feeling a little bit damp from the morning condensation. Actually, everybody feels a little damp from the morning condensation. And the day has begun as you all stretch and wake up and... Shatton's definitely making her way down to the campfire and starts uh, oh, getting some of the morning ration breakfast. That way she doesn't have to dip into her own. Thanks for the food. You're welcome. Vice is doing a uh, quick inventory of his pack and making sure that everything is lined up. Uh, when he finds a couple handfuls of moss in his pack. Hmm. How did a couple handfuls of me get there? He's going you to... Know. <laughs> He's going to exit the tent. And... go over to Shatton. Who is... I'm, I would presume is sitting near the fire eating for food. Is that, would that be a safe assumption? Oh, yeah. And he's going to drop it directly in your food and walk back into the tent. <laughs> I uh, don't want any moss. <laughs> don't want any what? <laughs> she, holds up the, she holds up the moss. I think he uh, was trying to feed me some more food. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I, yeah. Crystal is uh, going to come out of the tent and sit down with uh, Celine and uh, Shatton. I'm like, Crystal. Morning. Um, I kind of made breakfast. If you're hungry, I don't. I didn't have much. I try to be as creative as I could be with it. Oh. Um, sure. Like, thank you. She says, uh, taking some of it.
um, <clears throat> trying to think. Oh. I don't know. I guess while everyone's eating, I'm going to make sure I maintain the fire. Okay. So as you all sit around the remaining campfire, munching on rations that have been cooked and or provided, maybe digging into your own packs to pull out a little extra, the day... The day is warm and moist. As the morning dew falls from the trees atop your heads, occasionally sizzling in the hot ember bed of the fire. You all complete your meals. Moss, you probably ask for Vice or Gurn's assistance in disassembling the tent and packing it back into the bag of holding. You all gather your belongings and turn to Vice, as you all know that he is the most familiar with these woods at this point. Vice's crystalline blue skin shines in the small rays of light that shine through the tree leaves. And he just kind of stares back at you like, what are you staring at me for? You know the way, right? Uh, yeah, it should be should be pretty straightforward from here. Uh, maybe three, four hours. Could make it by uh, midday. Do you lead with me? I can do that. Let's tear down Cam. Okay. Um, as they're talking, I'm going to um try to think of the word smolder the fire. Like put it out. And kinda like Extinguish? Douse. Exting- extinguish douse. Whatever whatever word you want to use for it. I was trying to, I'm trying to think of a word, but yeah, yeah, get, yeah. get rid of the fire. Can you're you gonna describe, be on it. Can no. you describe how you're doing that. <laughs> um, well, I imagine at this point, it, basically, it died down anyway. So I'm just probably gonna stomp on it, stomp on whatever embers are still burning with my feet, well, my boots rather. As you lift your foot near the embers to stomp on them. Vice is just going to cast Prestidigitation and extinguish it fully, all embers included. Oh. And now you're just standing over a dead fire with your foot raised. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that's one way to do that. Thanks, Vice. It's, It's more efficient than dirtying your boots. I didn't mind... Um, like, and walking through the woods already isn't, like, dirtying the boots? Exactly. So why does it make any difference? Do you not see how I look? And at a glance, and upon further inspection, Vice's clothes are completely clean. We can can all see your blue Vice. (laughs) Yeah, I, I could tell Blueberry. I meant my clothes. 
How do you keep your clothes so clean? We've been traveling for a while. I and a lot of us care. haven't had baths or washed our clothes much. I, I, I practice self-care. Look! Gurn holds out a stick, and you see that the head of stick is fucking glistening in the sunlight. It just reflects off of it because it is so clean. How did you get stick so clean? Vice. <laughs> ah. Vice magic. Okay, so that's how you keep yourself so clean. Well, we don't all have vice magic to do so. I could probably teach you. I'm not too concerned. When we get to town, I'll worry about it. We're just going to get dirty again anyway before we get there, so. Suit yourself. It's uh, probably one one of the most versatile spells I know, but to each their own. And Vice will uh, attempt to undo the knots, having watched Moss assemble and uh, deconstruct the tent a couple times now. Okay. We'll say that uh, we'll say that you do so successfully, although not nimbly. Like you figured out the mechanics, but you're not proficient with it. Alright. I'll help Vice tear down the rest of it and put everything away. Moss, I'm, uh... I'm nervous. How come? Vice is gonna take a quick peek around. And make sure no one else is, like, really close. And under his breath to make sure that no one else can hear besides Moss, who's close to him, assisting tear down the tent. Well, if, uh... If there was a chance that... Your town... You were out of your town and you knew that there was a chance of what had happened happened. Would you have not been nervous to go in and find out for yourself? I'd I'd be nervous. Yeah. Just hope that it was the uh, bandits was the reason that they hadn't heard anything from there. That's exclusively the reason why I'm not scared to go. Just nervous that that wasn't the only thing. I I can understand that. <clears throat> but uh we should press forward. Yeah, let's get headed. The faster we get there, the faster we know. Sooner we can be on our way. Come on. Coming gun. Alright. As you all finish packing up the camp, gathering your things, and returning to the pathway, 
to head north up to Sheraton. You begin your journey once again. As you're walking, the pathway is fairly peaceful, although there's remains of fog in this forest. Fairly low hanging, it reduces your visibility by a significant amount. Not so much that is concerning, but even as the breeze rolls through, occasionally the fog does not lift. The sun shines through, giving the entire area a, sh a shimmer. You can hear various animals skittering around in the forest. Your feet crunching on the foliage underfoot. As you continue walking, you begin to see a thinning in the forest line. The area ahead of you, while still draped in fog, grows lighter, and you feel that there are going to be fewer and fewer trees ahead. DM? Yes. Can I try to do something? What would you like to try to do? As we're progressing from this point onwards, um, I would like to try to cast uh, Creator Destroy Water. Okay. To dissipate the fog, as I can destroy fog in a 30-foot cube. Okay. So I'd like to continuously uh, clear the fog ahead of us. Okay. Because I can cast that at will. Yep. So as you guys are continue to walk, you notice that Vice, while trying to aid Gurn forging ahead seems to be consistently focusing on the fog around him occasionally waving his hands and as he does you watch as the fog actually separates and moves out of his way maintaining a fairly clear area around you all and thanks to this your clothes do not get too damp but you're able to see just a little bit better within your immediate area Just to clarify, Gurn is still moist, though. I can only imagine he is. Gurn likes to stay moist. We understand. Uh, Ready for <clears throat> day, huh? Uh, well, yeah, actually, chat brought it up. <laughs> anyway. As you continue forward, the tree line begins to thin. Vice, as you continue up this pathway, a few hours pass, and you can just make out a break in the tree line. And through the fog, you can just see the silhouettes of buildings. Within the fog around you, as you, as you continue to use this magic, the fog clears out but portions of it seem to be unaffected, still maintaining a haze within the area around you. And as you breathe deep, you smell the familiar scent of burning wood 
as there seems to have been some smoke intermingling with the fog. As you continue forward and approach the edge of the forest, you see the silhouette of a somewhat small person standing just outside the range of this spell that you're using. Is that all I see? I can't see anything beyond them. No backlighting. Beyond, beyond the per so you see the silhouette of a person 30 or 40 feet ahead of you in the fog. And beyond that, with the sunlight shining down and kind of through, you see the silhouettes of buildings ahead of you. And that's about all you can see as this fog is fairly thick. And you've only afforded yourself a 30-foot radius. Or a 15-foot radius, because it's a 30-foot cube. Gurn's going to press forward about 10, 15 feet, creating a little bit of a space between myself and Vice and the silhouette in the fog ahead of us. Vice will stand beside, beside Gurn. He's walking up with him. Okay. Are you keeping this spell up as you approach? Um... It's a it's an instantaneous cast um, that I'm just casting out to where it'll grab like so it's a 30 foot cube so the I would have first cast it on us and then cast it again ahead of us just to keep the next 30 feet ahead of us just within range so would you out. have cast it to catch the silhouette within the spell yeah okay. at this point as I get into range of it yeah as you do the fog clarifies, and the small amount of smoke within kind of dissipates. And this boy seems, it, it appears to be a small boy, just kind of standing there. And he seems kind of startled at the fact that the fog has suddenly dissipated. He turns around. Who are you? Gurn. Okay. He kind of glances up at you, Gurn, and then his eyes land on you, Vice. V Vice? Is, is that you? It is. You're blue. Why are you blue? Well aware that I'm blue. Okay. Vice, as you look down, you see a small elven boy named Latanic. You remember him from your younger years when you were a child. He was one of the few children who didn't actively bully you. However, he did tend to disappear when your torment was being carried out by the other children. What are you doing back? We, th we thought your mother sent you away forever. 
Well, I uh, came back because I needed to speak with her. Well, she she's at home, but th there's something you should know. Some some guys with her. You should probably see her. I, I gotta go, boys. Botanic, what do you know? I, I don't know nothing. He just kind of showed up one day. Some, some of the loggers found him in the woods, and they and he, he was asking for her. And that, that's do, you all have a, do you have a name? No, I never heard a name. Um, Gurn, before you could process what's happening, Vice takes off from your side, running into the city. Full bore. Gurn is going to watch him for a second and then take off after and see if I can try and catch Vice. Oh, there's no way you don't. <laughs> You're faster than me. <laughs> You'll probably catch me in like six seconds. And Roughly? as as I do catch up to him, I just want to grab him by the back of his shirt and pick him up so his feet aren't on the ground anymore. Um, Selene's gonna turn to Moss and Crystal because I'm assuming we're still standing there, like confused. Yeah, what just happened? Um, like I'm not sure, but I think Vice just like ran off. Yeah, but I, I think we should go after them and figure out what happens. I'm very confused and I want some answers yeah that's yeah and I'm going to run after Bison Grin beckoning Moss and Crystal to follow yeah <laughs> alright and Chat and I assume you're following suit you're muted Yeah, she's going to uh, hold back from the rest of the group, though. Try to keep out of sight of others. Moss? Uh, yeah, Moss will go for it as well. And as he's running towards this town, he's going to dispel Kata. Okay. So Kata disappears into the mist. And as you all run forward trying to catch up with Gurn and Vice. What you see around you is a small, quaint town. The buildings around you are stone and wood, all of them drenched in morning condensation. The fog around you doesn't quite dissipate entirely, but it does thin. This town is just drenched in cloud. As you run forward, I would say, Vice, in your moment of bursting off, you got about to the center of town before Gurn caught you. And as he's standing there holding you by your collar with your feet off the ground, the rest of your party manages to catch up. You were all standing at the center of town surrounded by buildings. All of these buildings just kind of... 
fair amount of space between each one of them. It seems to be a somewhat quaint village. You look up to the north and you can see just fields upon fields of vineyards. Green and brown leaves. The vineyards themselves in this morning sunlight almost have a dark purple sheen to them from the abundance of grapes hanging off of them. You see the occasional elf, elf walking in and out of buildings, many of them carrying baskets full of grapes some of them you know joining together to lift full barrels of things coming in and out of these buildings and as you catch up you find gurn holding vice as vice in my head like a cartoon is still running in place though his feet are not on the ground as gurn Mm -hmm. notices the party coming he's going to be setting vice down the second that Vice's feet hit the ground, he's taking off running again. And if you try to grab him, well, go ahead and try to grab him if you want to. <laughs> we'll let this play out. Kern is going to run after Vice and just kind of beckon everybody else. We go with Vice. <laughs> I'll start work too. Taken off after Vice. All right. Vice, as you run, presumably to your home? No, I'm running to the vineyard to go grab. Yes, I'm running home. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I got to check up. You guys are fucking wild. As you run up towards your home, you. In your in this moment of panic, determination, whatever the hell is going through your mind, As you run towards your home, you instinctively look to the kitchen window. A large pane of sectioned glass over the kitchen. And in the morning light, you can see your mother in the kitchen. And she appears to be tending to something over the stove. You assume she's making her morning tea or something. But you see her within the kitchen. Do you continue to run forward? Yes, I'm going to run to the door, but I'm going to knock. Where's my mouse? God damn it. Did you try the job with the cat? Zephyr, okay. I am going to kill you. to double check something as i knock i'm going to realize that my skin is blue and try to shift through that make a wisdom saving throw baby hot rolls for role play 21 you focus your will on suppressing your stress, your inner turmoil, and your heart beats faster and harder, and you force it to calm down. And in so doing, you force yourself to calm down and relax, and you take a deep breath. And as you exhale, you see a puff of fog 
release from your mouth. You look down at your hands, and they have shifted back to your pasty white color. Do I retain my point? You retain your point. Okay. But you have successfully dispelled the secondary effect. Got it. You knock on the door. How hard do you knock? Uh, Are you demanding the door be answered, or is there hesitancy in this? There would be hesitancy in the act of knocking, but not in the knock itself. Understood. You raise your hand, you pause for a moment, and then you bang on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You hear from within your home, your home, where you grew up, alone with your mother. You hear from within a very familiar voice as your mother calls out, I'll be right there. Just a moment. You can hear the clang of the kettle being placed back on the stove. Her footsteps walking somewhat calmly, but briskly through the kitchen and into the into the uh, foyer type area. You hear the door latch click and the door creaks open. And you look upon the face of your mother. And as she looks down at you, you look in her face. Her eyes are sunken and fatigued. But as soon as she sees you, she lunges forward and grabs a hold of you, crying and sobbing into your shoulders. I thought I lost you. I thought you were dead. Thank the stars you've come home. Where have you been? She is choking these words out between sobs, soaking them into your cloak. So, uh, I, I take it you heard of what happened to Hastel? When Northam showed up without you, I feared the worst. When, when North, Northam showed up here? Yes, about, I don't know, a month, two months, I, I've, I've lost track of time, It's it's been so long. Um, but yes, he, 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 he appeared in, in the woods just out of, outside of town. Some of the loggers found him. All he managed to choke out before he collapsed was was my name. They they brought him here, and he's been here ever since. Motherfucker! This is I'm I'm adding a point of stress to Zandy's sheet, not to not to goddamn vices. <clears throat> Northam's Northam's here. Yes. Yes, Mother he's been can- here. Mother, can we can we come in? These are my friends. Of, uh, of course. Uh, hello, friends. Please, please come in. You you need to see him anyway. You, you, I, I don't know what's going on. You need to see him. She summons you all 
she summons you all into the house very briskly, just waving her hands, trying to get you all in the house as soon as possible. How tall is the door? L-L-I. Three inches too short for you. It's, it's tall enough, Colonel Duck. Okay. Go, go in. Moss, you may have to turn yourself sideways to get in the door. It's not uh, exactly a wide door. I'll have to duck, too. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you might actually... You know what? No, you suck all of your appendages in and you roll in like a disc. Ah, yeah. yeah. Clunk, 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 clunk. Yes. <clears throat> Alright. Um, sorry, this is a... It's a little bit of a shock. Uh, I'm, I'm sure for you as well as for me. And if Northam's here, probably just as much to him. Um, we have some things to catch up on. She looks at you with her mouth half open and just kind of nods like no fucking shit. Is is Northam well? Is he? What's his what's his status? He he hasn't moved in weeks, and and his his body. Uh, he just. You need to see this. Please come with me. Your mother begins to guide you to the den within your home, located in the back side of the house. As you enter the den. You see the familiar shape of Northam, lying on the sofa in the back. His once long gray hair and beard are now ragged and uneven, scorched by fire. His robes bear scorch marks and are stained with soot. He lies unmoving on the sofa, his legs covered with a thick wool blanket. Just your mother kind of... Stops you at the middle of the den as you all stand there, just kind of staring down at Vice's once mentor and the man who effectively set you on this path. And your mother looks to you, Vice. Just, just watch. It's about time. And as you stand there, staring at Northam, unconscious on the sofa, his body begins to glow. A pale, violet-gray light. And as you watch, his form, clothes and all, begins to become translucent. The light glow condensing into points of light across his chest. And they appear to be in the form of stars, forming a, forming a constellation in the shape of a chalice across his chest. Though he remains unmoving. I don't know what to make of this. He's been doing this two, three times a day ever since he got here. It just, he never moves, he never wakes, he never speaks. He's just been lying there. But Art. he keeps doing that, so I have to assume he's alive in there somewhere. Arcana, insight. Medicine, anything I can roll? 
You can go ahead and roll Arcana. Celine. Roll history. History? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really hoping a twenty-three does something. <laughs> That's the highest I could have rolled without critting. Come <laughs> 19. These dice are hot tonight. I swear to God. I got a 19. My bad. I didn't realize okay. I was muted. Okay. This works out beautifully. Vice. You know that most of Northam's study revolved around the study of stars and being able to divine the past and the future by studying the stars and their movements and arrangements. You recognize this constellation within his chest as being one of the few constellations that he had actually drawn on parchment and kind of like attached to the wall of his office as a major point of study that this chalice represents healing and repair and, and recovery and as you focus your magical senses to this and try to infer what is going on you feel as though b between knowing what he was studying and the symbol and what it represents and the fact that his entire body is being consumed by this you believe he's in some kind of healing state as if he has taken on great physical stress and he is still trying to repair himself. Celine, with your history check, you recognize these symbols as some of the elders from your tribe, the elder druids who also focused on the stars and their patterns, were able to channel that magic in a way to heal their own bodies, utilizing this same constellation. So both of you recognize that this is a way for an arch druid to heal their bodies when they've taken on great physical stress. All right, mother, there's, there's good and bad to this. Um, to, to just give it to you quickly to make it easy to process. He's taken on a severe amount of physical stress. His body is damaged. But what it's doing, what he's doing, maybe even below his consciousness, is healing himself. Um... Moss and Celine, I, I know both of you are capable of healing magics. Is there anything that you might be able to do? Might be able to try? Maybe his... Maybe a little extra help is what he would need. Something. I could definitely I, give it a shot. <clears throat> I would also be willing to help as well, if needed. I have some healing magic. I I don't 
I don't really know the strength of these magics. I don't know that that it's enough. Maybe it, given enough time it would be, but uh, maybe it just needs a little help. I don't know. Your mother kind of chimes in. He he may need more help than we are assuming. She walks over to Northam and pulls down the wool blanket across his legs. His robe is partially pulled aside. His legs are mangled, twisted in unnatural ways. You can see where bones used to be sticking out of the skin. Great scar tissue has now covered them. Whatever healing magics he has been trying to apply to himself is not fixing this damage. She recovers his lower parts. He, he, she, she recovers him with the wool blanket and looks to you. Every day it gets a little better, but perhaps you're right. If, if your friends have an ability to give him a little bit of an extra push, it, it may help him. Gurn is going to uncover his legs again and try to inspect to see if there's any type of infection set into his legs or anything of the sorts. Something that's making it so that they won't heal. Go ahead and roll medicine. A13. You can't be certain on this. Your best assumption is that the damage was so great and so complex that even healing magics would need time to correctly repair this. Is there like open sores or is no. it more just snap? He's not, he's not bleeding. Okay. It, it, you can tell from the scar tissue that is forming over this that at one point, yes, his bones had penetrated his flesh and stuck out. But you surmise that over the amount of time that he's had here focusing on healing, he has managed to pull his bones back into his body, seal the wounds, and has, to some extent, purged the swelling and and pustules and, and you know the damage that comes with this kind of thing. Yeah. Gurn's going to look at this and inspect it and just come back up and be like, Gurn, no, no. And just kind of walk away. Let me, I guess, try this. Moss will go up and he'll put his hands on his legs and pump all 30 points of his lay on hands <laughs> directly into his legs. All 30. All 30. With all 30, you watch as his legs, in their translucent state, mind you, he is maintaining this translucent state. You can physically see him but it's almost like you're seeing through him and in him you see points of light that look like stars but you can still see him you know and as you lay your hands on him and pump all of your healing magic into him you hear bones cracking and splitting and resetting and you can hear the crunch of flesh being torn and put back together you have successfully done more repair to his legs 
but they are now they 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 look a bit better. They're not perfect. But you have also clarified a lot of the bruising that would come with this. While these bones are crunching and pulling apart and resetting, you all hear the faintest of moan come from his mouth. But he still remains lying unconscious. Grun's gonna slap Vice on the shoulder while, while staring at Northam. What? Check. Gern's gonna push Vice forward towards Northam a little bit for closer. It's one of those times where I wish fucking <laughs> wish. Gurn could speak more efficiently. <laughs> Vices, you are suddenly shoved forward. Moss standing by your side, looking down at Northam's legs, trying to determine why the magic he just pumped into Northam didn't do more than it had. You look down at Northam's face, and even in its translucent state, this face is damaged. It is stressed. It is aged, and it is so very sad. Vice is going to grab or reach for Northam's hand, if it's visible. It is. And hold it. His hands are laying across his, uh, his abdomen. Like right around the solar plexus. And he's going to focus his mind <clears throat> back to where um, Northam spoke to him and see if there is any sort of mental tether that was there. Any thin strand that might link his mind back into Northam's as to be able to communicate while keeping the strain of verbally communicating right now to a minimum. Okay. <clears throat> so as you step forward to Northam, or as you're shoved forward to Northam, you look down at his sullen face and at the hands laying across his chest. You kneel down and you take one of his hands in yours. You close your eyes and you think back to that moment when you were in the ethereal plane and you heard him calling out to you, begging for you to come back. As you think hard and long, you hear more. He's calling to you. Come back, Vice. Come back. Where are you? Vice, where are you? And these words echo in your mind, seemingly bouncing off the inside of your skull, and they grow louder and louder. Vice, where are you? Vice, come home. Vice, come back. 
And at one moment, the voice in your head is so loud, it snaps your eyes open. Feel a tear run down your cheek, and you look up at Northam, and his eyes flicker open just slightly and meets your gaze. And you see the faintest little smile across his face. And he opens his mouth in an attempt to speak, but all that comes out is a tiny gasp of air. And you feel a slight twinge in your hand as he tries to grip yours tighter. Vice in this moment is shook, stunned, relieved, and scared. All at the same time. It is a a look of well, I guess all of those. <laughs> um, I need you to make another wisdom saving throw. Mm-hmm. At disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Well. Nine. In this moment, you feel that teardrop on your cheek begin to freeze. All of you standing around him, the air around you becomes very cold. Not so much as to cause damage. But you look down as you are all watching this interaction with Vice, as his skin very rapidly shifts to a solid crystalline blue. You see the ice crystals forming on his skin in a pulsing movement, seemingly... Well, you can only really see his hands and face, but it would seem to be emanating from his chest and out, pulsing back and forth in waves of cold. Until he finally takes a deep breath and exhales once more. And a puff of fog leaves his mouth as his breath shudders as he exhales. And the room begins to warm again. Vice, for a moment, you glance up at your mother, and she has a confused look of relief and fear and confusion. But once again, you feel the slightest squeeze from Northam's hand in yours. And the translucent effect upon his body begins to fade, the constellations on his chest, the glowing dims until he reverts to his fully opaque form. And now that you see his skin in its natural color, it's practically gray. Northam, conserve your energy. You need it right now. You need to get better. You need to heal. His eyes flicker open once more, just ever so slightly, and his mouth creaks open. And with a single breath, he very quietly says, Vice. And his eyes close once again. 
and you see his chest rising and falling, and it would seem as though he's fallen back asleep. Batten's going to come up next to Vice and tug on his sleeve. Vice isn't going to respond. Vice is standing there, petrified, holding a dying man's hand. The next time he's awake, do you want me to try to talk to him with his with my mind? I, uh... I don't know, shit. I... I worry that his mind is occupied and that uh, any amount of uh, unnecessary stress might be too much. Um, he's clearly not well. He needs to focus his energy on healing. Okay, well, if you need me to help. I, uh, healing did seem to do something. I have a few more spells I could try. Maybe just see if it helps a little more if you'd like. If you think it'll even help. I, uh... I'll leave that to you if, if you think it might do something. I... I don't know. Well, give it a shot. <clears throat> Moss will cast Cure Wounds at second level. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Okay. plus two, so 17 points of healing. Okay. As you step over to Northam once again, you know, just like an extra couple of steps, you place your hand on his chest and one on his leg. Legs, whatever. And you channel your healing magics. And as you're doing so, you look down at his chest, and his chest is rising and falling as though he's breathing, but it's incredibly shallow. And you pump this healing magic into him, and as soon as the magic enters his body, his chest rises in a deep, deep breath, and then slowly releases that air once again. And you actually see his skin tone clarify just a little bit. Just the slightest amount of color is returning to his skin. does seem to have some effect. You can only do it so many times. Selene, you have some healing magic too, right? Yes, I do have some healing magic. I wanted to give you a chance to see if it would work first before I pitched in mine. Yeah. But I can definitely offer some healing 
Um, I will make my way over. I'm assuming Vice is still holding his hand. Oh, he Vice hasn't moved. Okay. Um, where is he the most injured? Um, or whatever. Immediately visible is his legs. They originally were like crushed and mangled and barely in the state of healing. Um, after Moss had pumped a fair amount of healing into him, his legs have, for the most part, reset. There's still a fair amount of, uh, the, the, there's still some bruising and whatnot. And you can see that based on their angling, they're still not perfectly set. But that's that's the most visible thing that you can see that is damaged. All right. Um, I'm gonna cast Cure Wounds at uh, a third level. Okay, go ahead and roll. That is... 13 points. Okay. Wait, uh, hold on. I forgot to add the spell casting ability. Um, it's your wisdom modifier. Yeah, so that's a 19. Okay. How? You can't have a six point modifier. Oh, wait, am I looking at the wrong thing? I'm sorry. Yeah, your, your your wisdom modifier, main page wisdom score. Oh, my bad. Uh, that would be 15 then. Okay. So you come over and you place your hands on Northam as well. Do you place them on the legs or where? Yeah, on his legs. Okay. So you walk up, Moss steps aside. You place your hands on his legs and you channel your healing magics. And you pump them in, and as you do, once again, Northam takes a deep, deep breath with a slow exhale. And you hear smaller cracks and crunches from the bones in his legs. And as you do, you see some of the bruising disappear, and his legs appear to be properly set now. His eyes remain closed. His breathing normalizes, not as shallow as it once was. And the color in his skin begins to return a bit more. Gern's gonna step up to the bedside and pull the meme doll out from his shirt and set it up by Northam's head and look at Vice. She looked over me and saved me. Maybe she help. As you look over to Vice to say that to him, uh, you can see several tears running down his face and freezing before they hit the bottom of his cheek. 
and fall to the ground, shattering into little icicle or little pieces of ice on the ground before already melting at the temperature of the room. Gurn places his hand on your shoulder and then walks out of the house. And Gurn wants to just take a look around outside and make sure everything's okay. Nobody's watching. From what you can tell, looking around town, it would seem that everybody's kind of going about their business. Um, as the group, you, you would remember that as the group ran up to Vice's home, there were several people who saw you and watched as you ran by, but you all have been in Vice's home for you know a good little while now. You do see a couple of people kind of standing by one of the distant buildings, just kind of talking to each other rather fervently and occasionally pointing over at Vice's house and but it doesn't it doesn't seem like anything's necessarily amiss it's just you know people confused at what's going on yeah. and as you look around the town you notice that of all of the people that you do see going about their business or chatting or whatever everyone in this town is elven much like Vice. Uh, Shatman's going to go over to Moss and pull out some bottles from her pack. Will any of these help? Two red ones, a blue one, a green one, a brown one, and one that's clear. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they are. It does seem like the healing magic is helping a bit, but he's taken a lot of damage. I'd say, if anything, we need something to strengthen our magic. DM, I got a silly question. Go for it. I don't know if this is possible, but is there a way that me and Moss can conjoin our magic to make a healing spell stronger? Or is it... I, I don't know. Like... I, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think like how to describe it. Do you want to try? Sure. I could try. I'm not sure how to go about doing that, though. That's why I was asking. Your power is combined. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> Gonna turn to moss. Um, maybe if we... I don't know. I'm trying to think how to do it. Join our magic together. Maybe we can create a stronger healing magic. I might work. help him. Exactly sure how we would do it. Maybe both try casting the same spell at the same time. That's what I was thinking. Gonna do that. Might want to 
see if we can find a spot like his legs, which we seem to have fixed, that's more affected in his chest. I also yeah. kind of like to feel around on his chest a little bit to see if he can find any severely broken bones, like ribs into a lung or intestines. Go yeah. Go ahead and roll medicine. <laughs> Four. Okay. I was just gonna say, can I help him? But if you want to help him, I'll let him roll at advantage. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Shatten. No, no. Just uh, clarifying something. I mean, that's much better at a sixteen. Okay. So as you. As you place your hands on his chest and abdomen, trying to avoid breaking Vice's contact with him, kind of feeling around with your fingers, and at one moment you start to hear a light crack, and in that moment Celine reaches forward and pulls at your wrist, preventing you from applying more pressure. As you continue to do this, you do find that he has several broken ribs. And you pull his robe aside and you see a fair amount of dark, dark bruising on the right side of his chest. I'd say we should probably focus our healing on this point. Yeah, I think that would be best. Both. I will cast your wounds because that's the only one I have. I will and... too. Do you want to do it at second level? Yeah. Okay. We'll Both do, do it at second then. level. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So as you both place your hands kind of strategically on his chest, trying not to press even further into his ribcage, and you cast your magic at the same time into his chest. You can feel your magics as if they are, as if this healing magic is impacting Moss and Selene, each of your magics going into his body and impacting and amplifying off of each other. I'd like you both to roll an additional 2d8 for this spell. So. So if the base is 2d8, you're rolling 4d8. Okay, thank you. I wanted to clarify that. Wombo combo! Wombo combo! Okay, that time I got a 19. Okay. Uh, 22. All right. So as you both cast your magic sin and you feel this amplifying power, you hear the cracking of his ribs as they snap apart and reassemble. The bruising on the side of his chest begins to fade, receding back into his body. He takes a couple of more very deep breaths. Vice, in this extremely tense moment, you glance over the arms of your friends 
to Northam's face. His eyes flicker open once more. He meets your gaze. His mouth cracks open into a slight smile, and beneath his ragged beard, you see his lips move just a bit. Ice. Your home. And that is where we're going to end tonight's session. You motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I know, Crystal was standing there confused the whole time. (laughs) She does not know that guy. (laughs) That's fair. So, Vice did mention in the tent that his name was Northam. Yes. And also heard to him referred to as Northam. So there's a lot of confusion there, especially because Vice was like, he's presumably dead. And he's fucking here, apparently. Oh, so. so it's the opposite of her dad. She thought he was alive, but he was dead. But you thought he was dead, but he, he was alive. There is no way that Crystal didn't know that her father was dead. Yeah, she could have been like, I need that. the confirmation. Dude hasn't been home in months. You were attacked in a fucking tower by a dragon. Her dad was just a miner that was missing for a little while. I'm fairly yeah. certain he was older than that. Holy shit. I, uh... Viking, I'm not gonna lie. It was, uh... It wasn't so we had we had talked about this before, and I don't know if you're comfortable or if, if it's cool if I share this, but at one point you were talking about being like choked up in that moment with meme. Um, it was not as hard as I thought it would be to get there once you really get into it. It was genuinely difficult for me to actually hold back crying. <laughs> like, I actually felt like a single tear run down. I was like, okay, that's that's fine for this role play. You're good. And then I felt more starting to build, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was a good session. I liked it fucking drop the bomb on me that Northam's alive and in my town some some dude was looking for my mother run home (laughs) (laughs) the some dude is Northam what was Vice going to do when, when I had him picked up, because you were about to have a reaction there, but I was. Um, so, do you remember when uh, Vice cast gaseous form before? I was gonna do that, move ten feet, shatter you, and then run again. <laughs> <laughs> shatter you is like a discombobulate, basically, and just fucking book it. <laughs> Gurren's just fucked. Gurren's just like Vice chases after him. Oh shit. Like I say, if I genuinely got you choked up with this storyline, 
Um, I guess I should be proud of myself, honestly. Yeah, your I mean, job here is done. <laughs> well, that was the thing, right? Is like good good storytelling leads to good role playing, leads to your actors feeling something like legitimately, right? And if that's if that's if that's what we're doing is telling a story, and each one of us as players is really an actor for the character, um, both visually and emotionally and verbally then yeah we're gonna feel something if you're doing it right and we're doing it right if everyone's taking like doing their part you're gonna feel something and i was like all right so this is how vice would feel and i get myself in that mindset and i'm now me as xander is like actually tearing up sitting at my computer at two o'clock in the morning (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like did i just watch a story about puppies (laughs) <laughs> now you know how I felt when uh, Forthus left but like holy shit how many total points of healing did me and Celine do to that guy you dumped 30 and then 17 so 47 and Celine dumped 15 so that would be 62 and then Celine dumped another 19 making it 81 and then you dumped what was another 20 22 i think 22 so 103 you dumped 103 (laughs) points of healing across four four spell slots and all of your lay on hands you had to break 100 points of healing to wake him i was i was barely hit that you didn't (laughs) if you didn't cut session right there I was literally about to about to grab his hand tight and feel like Northam, you can't fucking die on me. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, okay. Xander's heart rate has come down from a whopping uh, ninety-eight is what it says it was thirty minutes ago. Let's see what it let's see what it says now. We're just gonna we're just gonna take a take a quick gander. 86. So, it's coming down. Okay. <laughs> oh. So, yes. That was Northam. Northam is alive. He is in your oh. mother's home. That was your very home. intense. Your, your town is still standing and not ransacked by the undead. Yeah. Or now. <laughs> Yeah, now that we burned all our spell slots, though. <laughs> Everybody better go to bed. Right after that. Like, right now. It's mid-morning. We're fucking going to sleep. You gotta figure, you guys, you guys get up every day at dawn. You might take half an hour to an hour to have your breakfast, break down camp, and start traveling. So let's say you guys are back on the road by, like, 6 a.m., you were only three or four hours out of town. It's mid-morning. Yeah. Go right ahead and go to bed. <laughs> You're gonna wake up at sundown. Well, that's the thing. Is like, Vice has some business to attend to here. Um, we're in a small town. We can probably help out lightly for the day. Rest. Get on. Get on the horse tomorrow. Go hard. You know, whatever it might be. My question is because how- if. Uh, how if we're you're in a town 
how is there not a healer in the town and nobody thought to try helping heal this dude? <laughs> Been there for uh, a it's, month. <laughs> it's a very small town. I mean, there's and probably, like, you can probably get someone here, but... They should have I mean, just gave him a wine IV. He would have been <laughs> chilling, dude. <laughs> Blood's red, wine's red, dump it in. Okay, so if you want to think about this, like, the, to, to answer that question, John, why isn't there a healer in this town? Like Xander said, this is a very small town <coughs> whose, entire, whose entire focus is on essentially supporting themselves and wine production. No clerics, no paladins, no magic users to really do healing. They don't have a use outside for, for that kind of stuff um, outside of their typical natural salves and whatnot. Oh, you cut your arm open. Okay, we're going to put some herbs and, and juices on it and wrap it up in a leaf and ta-da, you're healed. You know, old school medicine. Mm, fair. To hire an actual healer, they do have trade, so they have a method of communication with other towns. What are the other towns that they can communicate with? Antirian, a town of all miners and merchants. That small fishing village who deals only in supporting themselves and fishing the local lake. And then, as you would know, as Moss would know, having studied that atlas, the next town would be Red Coast City, which you would assume would have healers available to it. But at... I'm not going to look at the map and actually do the math right now, but assume at least two weeks travel just to get from Red Coast there. So even if this guy shows up dying on your doorstep and you send out a messenger, we need a healer now, it's still going to take over a month for that healer to get arranged and get back to Sheridan. Fair. And even if you were to say, send it down immediately, uh, Pony Express style on a fucking horse and get it there in you know four days, five days time and you get like a super fucking powerful healer and they happen to fucking know a wizard that can teleport them up in Red Coast, assuming there's a powerful enough wizard in Red Coast they can just be like, alright, cool, Sheraton here you go, how much money is that gonna cost? You know? Because now you have to not only hire the healer for his time and transport and supply and shit like that, but now you're also paying a wizard to get him up here right goddamn now. Um, I mean, shit. Hundreds? Gold? Looking at the overworld map, even your shortest path between Sheraton and Red Coast takes approximately 18 days, and that's if you don't run into problems on the road. So, so by carriage... By carriage, you can reduce that to maybe 12 days. So, so what you're yeah. saying is the healthcare system here is as bad as the United States. Pretty much. If it's like, it's like the <laughs> times in Canada. It's, it actually sounds cheaper. It's a, I was going to say, it's actually closer to Canada or the UK. They will heal you, and it'll cost very little. But they're not going to get to you for a few months. Yeah. Good luck. Get, <laughs> if you need to get it quick, it's going to be expensive. Oh, like, like the VA. Well, right. But yeah, I mean, I'm I was in the same fucking boat thinking that, and then I went, oh well. Sheraton's in the middle of bum fucking nowhere. 
she as as we as we discussed in a uh i don't was it a i don't know if it was a cut a cut piece so this might be ha have to be cut from from uh the recording too but sheraton's like the nova scotia of this continent it's it's fucking nowhere uh, yeah i forget where we discussed that but yeah, yeah that was mentioned it's it's effectively nova scotia I don't know if that got, it probably got cut from a podcast. It was probably yeah, just a rambling didn't. bullshit. It didn't? No. Nope. Like, so you're telling me I fucking come from New England? It's like, no more like Nova Scotia. That's the New England of Canada. That's even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, that made it into a matter of hand, didn't it? <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> uh, Holy shit, that was a great fucking time. Next uh next Saturday's campaign too, yeah? Yep. Next Saturday's campaign, continuation of this uh scenario. Nice. Dude, can we all agree, like right now, um, just to time warp to tomorrow being next Saturday? Cause like I'm pulling a Viking right now. I want Dude. next Saturday right goddamn meow. Every day. <laughs> Every day at like 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock on my at fucking work, I message in our Discord and I say, Is it Saturday yet? Dude, you know what? I'm I'm upset with you, Viking. Because oh. this entire goddamn week, and I'm gonna pull it up real quick on my phone. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this entire goddamn week you didn't send a single is it Saturday at eleven no. o'clock like I've been expecting. I think so. No, he did. Yeah, he did. No, I don't. I'm pretty sure. At I'm least pretty once. sure it wasn't. Yeah, once. But dude's been doing it religiously. Like last week, it was every single day. <laughs> and this week, this week, I'm yeah, no. I'm up at I'm up. I'm doing my shit, and it's like, okay, right here, Monday he sent one, right, uh. and then Tuesday he sends a drawing that, that looks badass, and then. I come in on Wednesday to nothing and then Thursday he comes back and it's like I I, I look forward to those messages because it's the only it's one of the few things that comes through every day and it's it, it's is it Saturday yet is it Saturday yet is it Saturday yet <laughs> <laughs> oh. better him saying it than me well it don't matter. Well, no, I'll see you right there. The, you're right. So Thursday, I came back with it. Friday, I said we're so close to Saturday, though. <laughs> Fucking pumped. <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you missed it, and it made uh, me sad. You hurt. Sorry. You hurt. My I gotta. Heart. I gotta get on my fucking game here. Yeah. It, if you have a if you have a smartphone, you could set a reminder. You know, I um. I should 2023 this stuff, huh? <laughs> Stop living in the 19th century. You have technology. Uh, so is it Saturday? No, it's it is it is now Sunday. It, it is now Sunday. Unfortunately, yeah. we're the which furthest means, from Saturday. Which means it's only six more days till Saturday. <laughs> I'm on. Three oh, hours ago, it was seven days till Saturday. We're already closer. True. <laughs> closer every second. I don't have that kind of time. 
Or we may be in the future. That, that's possible. Just a bit in the future, I guess. Yeah. Oh. That's okay. Well, Zero, if you want to sign us out. going to say this feels like a natural end. Thank you all for joining us very much on this apparently very emotional journey as the party has reached very important culmination point in their story. We look forward to you all joining us next week. Thank you all for joining us as we roll through the night. We'll see you next time. Good night. 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 Peace.